so today on the Milk Minute Dairy Podcast, we have episode number seven, and today's episode is brought to us uh, for, through a uh, gracious donation by Capital Farm Credit here in Muleshoe, Texas. Uh, Mr. Chase Lloyd down there at the office has come forward to give us uh, some uh, sponsorships for episodes seven, eight, and nine, and if you are in the farming and ranching business and you have uh, some needs that would include you borrowing some some funding, some some money to run your operation, I would uh, advise you or, or welcome you to contact Chase down there at the office and he'd be willing to talk to you about any kind of loan products that they have available uh, that are available to you guys. Today we have Dr. Stephanie Steele She's a veterinarian here in Muleshoe at the Muleshoe Veterinary Clinic, and um, she's going to talk to us a little bit about some work she's been doing with, uh, with calves on these dairies in terms of using uh, ultrasounding technology to um, detect early pneumonia in these calves. Um, I'm going to let her talk about that here in a minute, but um, she does come to us from Michigan, and if I'm not mistaken this is her first job uh, here as a veterinarian so Stephanie we're glad to have you um, I'm not gonna I didn't want to say too much about who you are because maybe you can do a little better job than I am because obviously you know yourself a lot better than I do so it's all yours, it's all, yours. all right and like you said my name is Dr. Stephanie Steele I'm a 2019 graduate of Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine down in St. Kitts I was born and raised in a small farm town in Manchester, Michigan. However, I, my family didn't have a farm. Um, I first found my passion for ag- agriculture when I um, was in the Manchester Swine Club when we showed um, pigs at the county fair. I then applied and was accepted to Michigan State University for my undergrad where I double majored in zoology and animal science. There, I was a research um, assistant for two research projects, one with um, nutrition for dairy cows, and then another which really um, got my passion sparked was the reproductive we did. Um, And then I then... I'm really nervous in my head. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so the research project for Repro, I then... Took a class and then so, so she, uh, so Stephanie, you, uh, you came to us from Michigan and um, went through all these phases to get to where you want to be because I guess you always want to be a vet. And so you took these classes in undergraduate and then you worked on some projects yeah. and ended up at Ross University. And for those of you who do not know anything about Ross University, that is down there in St. Kitts. And as I told her earlier, it would be extremely hard for me to graduate and become a DVM if I knew I had to do it in a beautiful location like that. So um, obviously she uh, kept kept to herself, kept to the word that she wanted to do, and she had a goal in mind, and she didn't let the beautiful Caribbean Sea uh, deter her from her main goal to get to Muleshoe, Texas, I guess, right? Yes. So, uh, so Stephanie, or I don't know, you want me to call you Dr. Steele? Sure. Okay, so Dr. Steele... Um, she, she's here in Milshu now, and obviously we have plenty of uh, dairies for her to work uh, on and, and do 
what she needs to do in terms of being an associate veterinarian here and, and fulfilling those duties to help these dairymen. And so I just, I, we, we were talking a few, I don't know, a few weeks ago about some of the things that she was doing. And when uh, she actually sent me a uh, article that was in uh, the late, one of the latest issues of Progressive Dairy Magazine uh, regarding this technology that she's uh, using. And um, I think that kind of is a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. And so um, I'll, I'll just ask you this question. How long have vets or, or, or dairies been using the technology to, uh, to examine lungs using ultrasound? Well, it's been around for a couple years, but it's more recently up and coming due to Dr. Terry Olivet's Wean Clean program. She's out of the University of Wisconsin, and the kind of general overall goal for using lung ultrasound is to make a better diagnosis. However, with her Wean Clean program, the mission is to use the lung ultrasound to promote calf health um, management that maximizes every calf's potential to to um, tr transition through the weaning process with clean and healthy lungs. So, <coughs> so if, if, if what I'm hearing is right, this technology is almost like giving dairymen an opportunity to catch something before they know it's, they have it. Because obviously uh, with animals, um, especially we're talking dairy calves here, um, a lot of times pneumonia is something that when it does come up it's only something that we see uh, from the physical aspect as how the calf is acting at that point so if you're using technology to try to get to it or diagnose it before we see that then that seems like that could save a dairyman tons of dollars talking about is subclinical pneumonia so subclinical pneumonia is that the lungs are abnormal without any outward signs so it is pretty typical that a lung lesion found by ultrasound can precede clinical signs for by a week or even more. And then clinical pneumonia is an actual sick calf, snotty nose, fever, dull, dull off feed. And then using the use of the ultrasound, that will allow us to let the lungs tell us if they are healthy or not, regardless of what the calf looks like. And we are finding the in quotes, sick or subclinical calves before they're actually getting sick, treating them and setting them up for a better life in the future. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I, you know, uh, kind of makes you wonder the things that people will do in order to take the necessary steps to prevent. So this is more like a good preventative type management medicine. I guess I, I don't know the direct terminology that you guys use in the business, but uh, preventative is obviously a, a can can obviously be something that's a, a money saver. So let's go back to uh, we were talking about Dr. Olivet's uh, program, and it's called uh, the Wean Clean program. So um, in the Wean Clean program, these vets are, are using uh, the strategy to uh, to measure lung disease at different times of the calf's life. So kind of kind of walk us through a little bit of of how that happens from the start of weaning and, and kind of what the goal is there. And I know that you have some, um, some, some different, uh, I guess, numbers that you guys uh, use to, um, I don't know, dictate what each lesion means or, or I guess maybe severity. So why don't you talk a little bit about those scores for us on that deal? Okay, yeah. yeah. So like you were saying, it's a four-point 
ultrasound strategy. So um, the first the first point is when is the start of weaning. So you're looking. Your question ultimately is how many um, calves have pneumonia at the start of weaning, and your goal should be less than 15%. So um, using the ultrasound and a lot of alcohol. <laughs> alcohol um, that you spread on the skin, right? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or some people shave the calves, but it's just I found it a lot easier just to pour a bunch of alcohol on their side just so you can scan through. So um, you scan both sides of the calf um, and then using the University of Wisconsin's lung um, lesion scoring app called Calf Scan, it's really helpful. I just pulled it up on my phone and the scoring system is zero to five. So zero is completely normal. One, you'll have a few comet tails which are just little points of consolidation, but zero and one are are considered normal. A score of two is the lesions that are less than one centimeter but can, or sorry, greater than one centimeter but can also be um, less than three centimeters. A score of three is at least one whole lobe is consolidated. Four, at least two whole lungs are consolidated and five is pretty severe. Three or more lung lobes are consolidated. And Okay, and then when we get to a score of two and above, that's pretty much when, when we want to start treating because that indicates that they have subclinical pneumonia and the, that they aren't normal. So typically um, at weaning, so, so you're, you're looking for these lesions at weaning, um, which is what, how many weeks of age here? Or is it months? I mean... You know, different guys do different things, but are you talking like a six-month-old calf, or are you talking talking about a three-week-old calf? I mean, it, what what's the what's the weaning time that you guys are you are so you seeing? So for many dairies, the, the subclinical pneumonia starting at that 14 to 21 days. So if we're if we're starting there, that would be pretty right. good place to right. Right. So right. So so we're gonna say two to three weeks. The reason I, I kicked out the six-month deal is because, you know, a lot of times in the beef business, they're, they're weaning those calves at that point because they're taking them from their mother at that time. But obviously we know that in the dairy business that happens a lot quicker. Um, and then that's, that, that really gives a whole other strategy or dimension to the dairy that I don't think a lot of people realize uh, from the standpoint of those calves come off and mama's still in production, and now you've got a calf that you've got to take care of, especially – if uh, these guys are retaining ownership in those calves or if they're going to be replacements as females at some point or even if they're going into a, a marketing system where they're going to be selling those, those other calves. So um, getting them two to three weeks of age, going ahead and ultrasounding them and then scoring the lungs gives you an opportunity at that point to start treatment, correct? Yes. And so in a normal situation um, – you're you're probably beating the curve by a few weeks, or, or, or you know, because you can't see what's going on. So, um, I think it's so cool that uh, they have these these strategies and these these uh, forms of technology that are for your use to be able to to get ahead of the curve. So, what does that mean um, when we start treating these calves? You know, okay. So we we talked that you know a, z a zero to one. Um, it, it, they're they're good. They're good to go. But when we get in that that score of two, three, four, five, uh, we've talked especially um, 
let's say two to four, that's when you'd start treating right. You know, let's say a calf comes through there, we're going to score him at a three. We're going to start immediate treatment, correct? And what's when we start treatment? What is the goal there? And then what? I mean, kind of. What does that look like for the day of treatment and, you know, week after or whatever? How does that work? Yeah, so the the goal is, again, less than 15%. So um, that is her second strategy point is the start of treatment. So you're looking at how many score greater than three or less than two at, the, at their first treatment. So if you have too many calves with normal or too many with excessively high um, – treatment there's kind of three reasons um non-respiratory conditions are like making the respiratory disease so what does that mean you can have the calf the calf is acidotic or having acidosis it's toxemia so the toxins are getting into their blood and ultimately they're in sepsis and then so or we're just not spending enough time physically looking at the right calves or we just fail to recognize early signs of clinical respiratory disease. So we're, we're just catching them too late, essentially. I got you. Got you. So a week, week after treatment, um, again, I mean, the, the goals that I've read about that she, that she has in place for a program, the week after treatment, um, what, what is the, uh, you know, the goal is less than 15% again there, but um, after... After that first treatment, let's say that we had a calf that, that was a four and we treated it, mm-hmm. and now it's scored at a two, meaning as we go back talk, that lesion is between one and three centimeters. Um, what, what do we do then? Um, so three reasons why they're still having high lung scores after the first treatment. So you go, you essentially treat them and then seven to 10 days later, you go back and scan. And so three reasons why they can still be high is we chose the wrong drug um, or we used it in the wrong way or just the calf has a poor innate immunity, maybe via um, failure or passive transfer. And what is failure and passive passive transfer mean? So when the calf is born, they get essentially colostrum twice. And if if the colostrum wasn't good, it wasn't fed right, um, then the antibodies from mom weren't passed over to the baby. And they don't have a high enough level in order to sustain a healthy immune system. I got you. I got you. Okay. All right. So... um, once we get through the treatment and we have scored them again or, or we, we kind of went through that whole thing again and we're trying to figure out why the scores may still be high, <clears throat> um, I guess at some point we, we start again. Do you start again and scan them again or how does that, how's that go down? So she, her last point of her four-point strategy is called the 12 by 7 scans. So here you're essentially finding the high-risk age group. So you start at seven days of age, you scan 12 calves at seven-day intervals. So 7, 14, 24, et cetera. And like I said earlier, subclinical pneumonias in most, at most dairies develop in that 14 to 21-day window. So using that can confirm, confirm the onset of disease and then we're able to focus mainly on 
say the 14th day. So <clears throat> it, it probably helps for uh, whoever is uh, given the treatment on these calves to, to understand um, how to treat the right calves, first of all, and maybe even group them based on their age so that they can kind of start to see some patterns if there's some patterns they're going to develop. Mm -hmm. Cool. So that's kind of how the program goes. Um, we talked a little bit about earlier the difference between subclinical and clinical pneumonia. Again, uh, just to reiterate what that means, that's uh, pretty much the difference between pneumonia you can see and pneumonia you can't see yeah. in layman's terms. So um, that's... Uh, that's 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 huge for for any operator. I, I think that this technology could be used in a lot of different uh, scenarios, I guess. And uh, so it's just it's kind of neat that you were, you're able to work on that here locally and, and be able to use it on some dairies around here as well. So um, the question is why? What what impact does calf food pneumonia have on a dairy? I mean, it, I, obviously we know from a health standpoint, uh, pneumonia is is certainly deadly at, at, at for a calf that age, uh, just from standpoint of their immune system and and other um, ways that it can offer some major problems versus an older type animal. But uh, obviously, there's some economical issues there. Um, can I talk a little bit about the the true impact that calf food pneumonia has on a dairy? Okay, so. Lung lesions as small as just even one centimeter can affect calf growth. So, right. what, maybe the size of a pea, essentially. So, that's nothing that we're going to see, and the calf might not even outwardly look sick. So, again, that subclinical pneumonia can have a serious effect on calf growth. And then lesions three centimeters or larger, um, or essentially calves with that score of three or greater, can really impair things such as first lactation, milk, production that at least 1,200 pounds and then many of herds have 60 to 80 percent of their calves with those three centimeter lesions at weaning um that's crazy 60 to 80 percent of their calves in a herd can have those three centimeter lesions at weaning that's that's nuts but i guess we would know that if we didn't have this technology and, and some science behind it most of most of them go undetected, and and it can cause much more serious effects too with calvings, um, reprep. So um, after they're weaned, um, I guess you do they kind of track these calves that have been through some of those situations where they were they could have been high risk, but after treatment they were obviously managed the right way and kind of got a little better. I guess uh, after weaning, um, if they're doing better, I guess typically those calves are going to require less antibiotic usage, which would be an economic impact uh, once they leave those uh, group hutches, right? Yeah, correct. Cool. So <clears throat> we, we talk a little bit about the, the, the economic benefits. And, um, you know, I don't know, uh, I, I, and we haven't talked about um, – Obviously, w the the medicine that is being used to, to treat these calves, I know you have all sorts of different options at your disposal, depending on, obviously, uh, maybe what works best in certain situations, um, things of that matter. But, um, you know, from, a, from an economic standpoint, 
Um, let's talk a little bit about how this technology, let's break it down, how the technology uh, how it kind of breaks down from a money standpoint. To use Dr. Olivet's um, scenario she wrote about in one of her CE courses, um, and it's based obviously about a herd in Wisconsin, so it's a, a thousand cow herd, um, and they wean approximately 480 heifers per year, um, and you're doing quarterly scannings of the calves at risk. So you're, you're going in four times and scanning those those calves' lungs. So quarterly meaning they're doing it four times so a year. Correct. Quarterly meaning so they're doing it four times a year. Correct. And so, so those calves are being assessed at seven to, ten, seven to 14 days of age, and then again later in their life three more times. Correct? I guess if they're doing it quarterly. So they're, they're kind of tracking those calves throughout, right? Just throughout the year of the, they probably just figure out what okay. um, is the age, like the risk right. group, and then okay. every because calves are being born you, all year long. Okay, just go ahead. I'm sorry, I kind of interjected you there. That group. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I kind of interjected you there. That's okay. Um, so some assumptions that we can make is that it costs about seventeen dollars per case to treat, and here. Their, I guess her hourly rate is $250 an hour for the vet. So um, it takes her about three hours per visit times four um, visits a year. That's another assumption that we'll go into. Um, and then for it's about $168 per case of milk, lost milk revenue. Um, and then it's about one hundred and or sorry one thousand two hundred dollars per replacement so um going back there so increased revenue from future milk that would equal about thirty six thousand dollars since we're dropping the um risk of pneumonia from about 50 to 25 percent when we're scanning these lungs so that's going to increase our milk um price and then we get Decreased costs from fewer respiratory treatments, so around $3,700. And replacement purchases is about $17,000. And then the only thing that the dairy farmer is losing, essentially, is just paying for us to be there and do the work. So it's about $3,000 a year. So adding that all up, um, it's a benefit of about $54,000. So, wow, $54,000 uh, on a 1,000 cow herd uh, based on being able to early detect subclinical pneumonia. That's huge, or it seems huge to me. I mean, right, and essentially, I mean, especially dairies here, which are probably, what, 10 times this size, so that times right. 10. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big drop. So, you know, um, it, it almost makes you wonder – how much money we are throwing out the window at times when we're not able to detect early calf food pneumonia. And so this could be a huge, have huge implications to the dairy industry if, if enough of this technology uh, catches on. So with that being said, do you think that, I mean, do you think the dairies regionally here or, I mean, do you think they're uh, eventually going to 
adopt a lot of this technology for vets to be able to do here regionally, or is this just something that's uh, so new that it's in certain parts of the United States and not down here? I mean, what what do you think is uh, is going to happen? Um, I I do kind of feel like it is more adapted in the Midwest, kind of where I'm from, but um, that's where I first heard about it, and I haven't heard of anyone really doing it down here until I asked my bosses about it, and they're like, yeah, go ahead, try it out. So I'm still playing around with it, but I think given all the points and examples that we just talked about, I think it's a great idea for dairies and even calf ranches. That's where I'm practicing is to incorporate um, this both at a financial and performance. Right, because uh, obviously the difference between uh, dairies, uh, like you said earlier, dairies up north versus dairies down here is, is the herd size. Yeah. And so uh, just from managing the whole situation and, and having vets come in to do it and having your guys uh, be trained to be treaters on the deal, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's probably a little bit more easier uh, with a smaller herd to deal with. But obviously there's it, you, it, you can see that there's definitely impact that, that can be taken from this deal that even some of these bigger dairies can uh, can use some of this technology for. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we talk, uh, you know, a lot of people think about a vet, and uh, obviously you, like you just mentioned, you're going to calf ranches and uh, working with some herds and things like that. A lot of people think that, you know, the vets are posted up in the office and uh, you bring uh, – your pet or your even your cows or whatever to the clinic and so I don't think a lot of people uh, understand that there are a lot of uh, veterinarians uh, we, we know a whole lot in this area especially uh, consulting vets that are going out and doing a whole lot of work just at one location and that's their deal you know kind of like what you're talking about with you I mean I did see you in the clinic the other day having to deal with some really weird dogs that were barking and it looked like you're having a dog fight over yeah, there, but uh, I, I think a lot of people uh, there, you know, don't understand that y'all are, uh, I mean, you are doing a service for a lot of uh, operations uh, in different ways, and that may not always mean just uh, chilling at the vet office and waiting for someone to make an appointment. So, um, you know, there's a ton of things that, that vets are doing to, to help dairies out, and so you know, what are some other things that you guys do to help dairies become more profitable? So kind of going along with, along with long ultrasounding, sampling is a kind of huge component that will allow us um, as veterinarians and then the dairymen to understand kind of exactly what the cause of the pneumonia is in order to come up with an effective treatment plan and kind of revamp their um, treatment protocols. So when you, so when you, when you say sampling, what do you mean by that? So there's a, there's a ton of different sampling that we can do um so you're talking about sampling at the dairy of those calves yeah. that you're going to want to be, be doing that technology with yeah. so you're because you're not just going to do the you're not just going to roll in there with your ultrasound machine and do the ultrasound you're probably got some other backup type plans that go along with that so that you can make sure you can make correct diagnosis right yeah. so um essentially we can sample if we're looking at just one calf and not like no one else is sick and she is so just for the best sampling for individual medicine is called a brachio brachio a bal it just it samples the fluid like deep down in the lungs so that's um use of sedation and then we'll take a high volume of sterile saline and 
put it into the lungs in order to get a good sample and test to find the individual pathogen. I got you. So do you think that you do that on, will you do that on, like if you're a calf ranch, will you do that on, I mean, how many, which calves do you do that to? Um, Or do you just randomize a number and say, we're going to do it to every 10th calf or what, or how does that work? Honestly, I've never seen it done in the field because it is kind of, I mean, you're putting essentially about 240 mLs of saline in, into a lung and, and getting right. it back out. So it's pretty risky, and um, and if they're already sick, unfortunately, just one calf in a in big dairies like this, we're not really going to worry about, and we can just take some samples of the lung tissue when they right. are dead at necropsy in order to get the same result. But right. but yeah, it's it's pretty it's an intense um, procedure. So we just sedate the calf and put her down on her her sternum and then go through her nose with a catheter and pass and pass all the um, nasal passages and pharynx and we'll advance the catheter into the to the airway. Then we'll distend the catheter and put 120 mLs in. And then we'll gently aspirate it back out, and we want to get at least 50% out. So essentially, there there for sure will be some, some left. left. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that's the problem. and then yeah. we do that again in order to get a good sample. So gotcha. and then we have to submit it for culture PCR, a s- complete cell count. So we we submit a few different types of tests with that sample. But right. but it's pretty risky. So unfortunately, it's not really done. So I guess are there other ways to do sampling with that's that aren't as risky as, as using the BAL method? Yeah, so um, they, we can do nasopharyngeal swabs that target the back of the throat in, instead of way deep down into the lung, and that is best for the herd level. Um, and they they are pretty deep. We just so is so is 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 going back to the back of the throat for a sample. Is that as uh, accurate as going deep down in the lung tissue um i I'm, i believe so especially if it's best for the herd and we're getting multiple multiple samples and able right hmm. okay well you know uh one of the things about um what you do to to make sure that you utilize the technology to the best of your ability is is having some other options available and so i've uh, been able to to sample uh, maybe gives you a more of a, uh, I don't know, greater dimension to what's going on uh, that we can't see. Yeah. Um, obviously, the ultrasound technology and then also the sampling helps you to do so. And so um, that's really cool that you have all sorts of different methods at your disposal to try to get to the root problem of what's <laughs> happening. And, um, you know, are, are there management issues? I know kind of going off a little bit now, but are there management things that these dairies are doing to improve or, or let me go back to decrease the likelihood of calf hood pneumonia or is it just it's one of those things that's going to be there we just got to get on it quick enough uh, unfortunately in a lot of places it is, it is just there and we just have to be able to narrow down that target age group that it's hitting and and, and treat those and and with the ultrasound it's a it's a great technology to hit them with treatment and when before they are clinical or outwardly sick. So, so uh, do uh, 
are, are veterinarians the only one that can can use the ultrasound technology, or do you think that will be something in the future that um, employees at dairies are going to be able to utilize uh, on their own uh, as well? Or is that, I mean, is that completely outside the box? I mean, you know, a long time ago, um, long time ago, when guys needed in, uh, reproductive work on cattle, they took them to the vet. Uh, embryologist or whoever you know AI guy or whatever now you see a lot of those guys that are in-house uh, from an AI standpoint mm -hmm. do you think the ultrasound deal could get to that point if it catches on uh, at some of these diagnosing the right. so it's technically illegal right. for well, others to, to, <laughs> to do that right. yeah I mean you gotta have your background yeah you gotta be able to see what's going on and Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you got to have your background and yeah. you got to be able to see what's going on and understand what those lesions are and how they affect the, the how they affect the store for future pneumonia. So I understand that. I just I was curious about that because, um, you know, there's a lot of different tasks that are being done at dairies that yeah. I think it a long, long time ago were were tasks that were only performed by veterinarians. So mm -hmm. I just didn't know what. uh how big is this machine that you use? I mean, is it something you carry around in a backpack, or I mean, is it like a like a regular ultrasound machine, or how's that? Just little bitty, huh? Like a like yeah. a half of a laptop, huh? Yeah, it it just so it's in like a I don't know. I buckle it around my waist, so it's about yeah. I mean, yeah, just uh, like an <laughs> iPad. Like, yeah, like a half, iPad. half a yes, an iPad, but, but it's pretty thick and uh -huh. unfortunately it's kind of heavy, but. Um, it just I buckle it around my waist and it's at my side and then I okay. have the one that has goggles so okay. I was gonna we have another one in the clinic that kind of looks like a, a laptop it's, it's essentially the same size but um, here there's hutches versus in the Midwest right. we don't have those here so here I was thinking how in the world am I gonna get in and out of these hutches uh -huh. with essentially a laptop and gotcha so you can see y with your goggles, you can, you know, you can see right there as you're scanning in w with your little bitty iPad and your goggles right then. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, and you know, I've seen ultrasound machines where they're uh, doing like, <coughs> like ribeye area on, on fed cattle, fat cattle, mm -hmm. and they got their little computer screen and, and they got their little desk thing and they got their wand and they're look, they're here like this looking you know, they're making sure their wand's in the right spot, and they're looking at the screen. I mean, you've got it all right there, so you can move yeah. move freely through there and yeah. get, them, get them looked at. So it's yep, so it's actually the, the same one I used to do preg checks, and even Dr. Olivet said she's, she thinks that linear, linear probe that we use to do rectal exams in order to preg check is, is the best, and that, that's the huh. same exact one I use. I was there. I'll just clean it off really good and then so you so does that record the data or does that just or i mean whenever you're looking at it through the goggles and you're going through each uh group hutch um so tell tell the listeners how many calves are typically in a group hutch so they can kind of understand uh what it looks like you going through there with your little system how many calves are in these group hutches Oh, oh you're going individual going hutches. In okay. Because they're younger, so they're yes, not in the... Those gotcha. California so, style. Yeah. So, so those, yeah. Well, good thing you're little. <laughs> I, I would struggle. That thing would be lifted up off the ground and be rolling over and everything. <laughs> I'd be getting stuck in there. So, 
Yeah, I forgot about that. Those individual hutches are for the for the younger calves, and then the group hutches for the older. So that that makes sense. I but I still. I tried to bring a stool too. Nothing, <laughs> nothing works. It's just yeah. you're awkwardly yeah. climbing in. That is really cool technology, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we we started this conversation a few weeks ago because it really piqued my interest, and I thought that uh, the people listening, the people that you know, I don't have any demographic data on who listens to these episodes. Um, I hear from all sorts of different people. Um, yeah. I mean, I hear from. I'm not going to name any names, but I'm sure they're going to listen. But I hear from. Um, lawyers in Lubbock, Texas, to um, relatives, to different people within the industry. So I don't really, I really couldn't pinpoint the demographics behind the listeners, but I do know that when we started this podcast, <coughs> we wanted to be able to offer content that is uh, not only meaningful for the general public, which mm-hmm. this is also, yeah. but also to interested people and partners within the dairy industry uh, as well, and so I think a technology like this is something that um, uh, that people that are in the industry that maybe have calf ranches or dairies uh, can can learn about as well. And so it's good to know that we have folks around here that are willing to think outside the box and do some things that are that can have an impact on on these dairies' bottom line, you know. And so um, that's really neat stuff. I, I uh, typically um, we uh, we try to to make it as easy for people to understand as possible, and I feel like this is pretty pretty easy to understand. I mean, obviously, if you've been in animal agriculture and you understand uh, how hard it is to get that calf going uh, from day one up until weaning, um, wh- whether you're in dairy business, beef business, I mean, that's a critical time of their life, and uh, that that's going to dictate what happens. Uh, to that calf in the future, whether that's from a reproductive standpoint or an economic standpoint to that operation. So um, to be able to have this technology at our grasp, that's really cool. That's really, really neat. And I, I, I applaud you for doing this work. That's that's really cool. I, um, well, it's all right. I mean, you're, you're obviously the one that has to climb in and out of the hutches and not me. So, uh, But it's really cool we have folks around that are willing to, uh, to, do, to do things like this and um, – you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder what where it's going to take, you know, <clears throat> what other things that we've been doing for 50, 60, 70 years from an animal husbandry standpoint, what are other th- things that are come down the line that are going to be able to uh, maybe uh, help us see things that we can't always see. So that's really cool. I appreciate you coming down here today. I, I, uh, did, I was going to mention this earlier, but I didn't want to make you too nervous, but uh, Dr. Steele happens to be the first in-person guest that we've had on the podcast. So um, <laughs> typically we have our guests meet with us via Zoom because uh, we have folks, uh, gosh, we've had <coughs> one from uh, around Amarillo. We've had one from Shallow Water. We've had one from um, New Mexico. Uh, we've had guys from all over Texas, yeah. you know, and so – uh, meeting in person is not always uh, what we get to do, but we're glad that you're able to come into our studio slash extension agent office today uh, to record this one with us. And um, I, I, I will, I will keep you in mind whenever I ne- I'd like to come see how you do that and yeah. see what you're doing. Now I won't, yeah. I won't bring a stool or anything, but uh, I'd like to come <laughs> see how that works. And uh, you know, that's that's something that um, we're proud that. 
that you're here doing it. We're proud to have you. And uh, are you? Do you have a Texas driver's license now? Yes. So you are a Texan now. Texan. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're proud to have you. Um, to have. D- once again, that was uh, Dr. Stephanie Steele from here in Muleshoe at the Muleshoe uh, Veterinary Clinic that we have here, uh, just west of town on 84. Uh, if, if you if anybody's interested in this technology, obviously uh, you can look up Dr. Olivet's work that she's been doing up north in Wisconsin, correct? And or if you have questions for her or myself, um, we'd be more than happy to uh, to direct you to her. Uh, the number here at the extension office is 806-272-4583. So if you have a question about uh, the work that Dr. Steele is doing uh, with ultrasounding. Uh, give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to get you in touch with her. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Capital Farm Credit here in Milshu, Texas. Uh, please uh, look up Mr. Chase Lloyd. Chase, if you're listening to this deal, uh, you're going to get this shout-out and two more in the next couple episodes. Uh, but really, if, if you are uh, looking for some loan products, uh, farm and ranch-type situations, uh, please give him a call and... and uh, and visit with him about that. So I guess uh, we're done for today. We look forward to uh, to hearing you guys' comments, those that are listening to this podcast. We appreciate the support that we've had from uh, private industry and our listeners. And we look forward to offering you um, more episodes uh, coming down the line in July. I think we have a really good lineup for some guests um, for the future episodes and Uh, Like I said, thank you for listening today, and and thank you, Dr. Steele, for being on there with us today as well.